one side of the tape to the other. Now, okay. Um, talking about the changes. I, I felt that as a social worker, I had the obligation to help people know that there was a different way and to help them take advantage of it. And I don't feel that that is forcing my ideals on them. But how can a person's life be changed unless they are exposed to something different? How, how did you go about that? Can you give me an example? Uh, we talked once about the the finding the uh, well, that organization sort of leading that person into going to family planning or what was it? That, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was on the first interview. But um, say a woman came into you and uh, what would have been maybe a there, there are many ways. For an example, in um, helping them to, or helping a person to better know how to spend their money, how to, to get and maintain better nutrition for the family, how to shop so that um, you could um, get the, be the best um, material for your money, or learning to sew in order that you have more for your, um, your dollar, a better garment than you would have by buying a, a cheap item in many ways in which a person can be um, helped to better their lives. Catherine, it seems that what you've talked about your mother in the, in the first interview and how she talked to you, that they were, your mother and father were training you for that all along by they their did. examples. Mm -hmm. Not realizing it. Right. Um, I think after the tape was off the other time, something came up about the, the discussions at the dinner table when you were young. And um, I was wondering if you can recollect the kinds of things that were talked about. And did everybody have a voice? Yes. Um, you talk about um, what was going on around you. Um, Maybe about books, maybe about 
the usual family chatter, I would think. Um, college, let's see, wait a minute. Oh, yes, I gotta stay with this. Um, what family memories or stories or experiences did your parents or grandparents hand down to you? Did they talk of the past and relatives and the experiences in the family? A little, I mean, because, for an example, one of the stories that I remember was my great-grandfather decided that he wanted his daughters educated. And he arranged for his wife, my great-grandmother, to take her two daughters, with my grandmother and my aunt, to St. Augustine's. And she was the first matron. They call them by different names now, but they call them matrons then, of the girls' dormitory. And that was done in order that her girls, or their girls, could be educated. Did you tell me where St. Augustine's was? In Raleigh, North in Carolina. Raleigh. Okay. <laughs> and it's still in existence. Is it really? Mm -hmm. The family has long ties. Long ties, that's right. Um, okay. Um, we talked about that. Wait. What, even though you chose social work and you could have been a teacher, um, were there, what, did you feel like the world was open to you then, or that there were? Um, see, this was at the, when I finished um, school in 1933, the height of the Depression, I was glad that I had chosen social work because I was able to get a job and I wouldn't have had I gone into teaching. Uh, Catherine. At that time. Yeah. You lived in Tarboro. Your parents were heavily involved in probably the center of, of that particular community. Right. And so things revolved around you all in your home, I would, I would think. That was true. Um, then you went to Tennessee, uh, was, you, was that the, the first time you were alone, on your own? No, I, I had been to St. Augustine's also before that, and I had been, I attended a junior college that was run by the Congregational Church, and I 
that was my first two years of college. And then the last two were at Knoxville. I see. And Knoxville was a Presbyterian school. Oh. <laughs> and was the, the, the social work school? Back in Raleigh, North Carolina. Back in Raleigh. Mm -hmm. I see. Bishop Tuttle. Um, Where where were you first involved with integration? With 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 white and black uh, being involved with each other in St. Louis, and that was in your job. Yes. Um, in Tarboro. Um, as I grew up, it was separate. I had contact with white people, but it was in the stores. Um, the priest at the white church would come across the street to the Negro church for various um, services. Um, otherwise, it was just in shopping. Uh, that reminds me of, I would go places with my grandmother occasionally, and I went downtown with her one day and we went to a store they called dry goods stores then and she went in to buy something and a young clerk came up and said auntie what can I do for you today grandma was a kind of short lady she wasn't she looked at it and said, hmm, I didn't know I had a nephew that looked like you. Okay. <laughs> you can't, you couldn't lose with that kind of <laughs> examples. <laughs> did, did he have any response? No, but the owner of the store came up and said, Mrs. Perry, don't pay any attention to him. He just came from the country. He doesn't know any better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. They respected my parents and my grandparents because they never called them by their first name. Um, the owner of the store was named Charity. But when he came up, he he heard this young man, and he came up quickly to apologize to Grandma. Well, there's such a difference in knowing those kinds of things as a child and hearing that rather than somebody who uh, doesn't get the respect. Right. Um, go ahead. I think that uh, my experiences and my exposure, though very protected, was 
enriched to the point that I didn't destroy myself with bitterness. Because I think hate and bitterness destroy the individual. Over the phone, I, um, I had written this down, something you said, that your parents gave you a tolerance and an ability to accept and understand people. Say that. I think so. Um, let's see. When you came to St. Louis, um, was there more freedom here, uh, or was it similar? It was very similar. Then when in around 65, when you were, uh, things were opened up here, when they had public accommodations, um, what kinds of things did you do before in your leisure time and after? Um, when you came here with, with your friends, um, if it was the 4th of July or You had free time, you know. What comes to your mind that you might have done in St. Louis? We would what did I do before? On a Sunday we went to church. Yeah, go to church and then we would go streetcar riding. Ride out to Creve Coeur, look at the lake. Um, there were na neighborhood theaters that you'd go to the show. What streetcar uh, would take you out to Creve Coeur? Um, city limits, I think it was called. It'd take um, Delmar. Um, Olive Street car, the Delmar bus to the loop, and then the, I think it was the city limits bus. I mean, streetcar, that wasn't the bus. Would you get off out there and just get out and walk around mm -hmm. and come back? This was in the 40s or the 50s? Yes. Mm -hmm. um, did you go downtown? Go window shopping? Uh -huh. Yes. <laughs> Sunday evenings. That was the windows, of course, were decorated, and the best time to shop was when the stores were closed. <laughs> um, did you go to circuses or uh, any of the museums? Or? Go to the art museum, go to Shaw's Garden, Just go to the zoo. The jewel box was 
uh, opened and, and did you did you go to the VP parade? Always. Always. Um, let's see. Did you ever watch any sports events? No, I, I, not. Uh, I knew that before I asked it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I asked. It you. wasn't. Uh, um, much fun because I didn't see well enough to really follow. Mm -hmm. So I enjoyed, as I do now, listening to the baseball game. Did you ever attend any, um, I understand there was something here called a chauffeur's ball. Did you know anything about that? I've heard about it, but I never attended. I heard something on the radio the other night that uh, there was uh, the Odeon on Grand Avenue. Movie. It was a theater, uh -huh. I mean, not not a movie theater. It was um, similar to an opera house because uh -huh. I. Went there for Sunday matinee to hear Fitzchrystler, for example. What was the name of it again? Odeon. Odeon. Um, it was on Grand South of the Great Rock Church, Alfonso Rock. I think it's now a part of, I mean, it burned down. But I think it's part of the Bashan High School complex now, where it would have been. And a man called in the other night, said that it was burned down because they didn't want Negroes to um, the rumor had it that it was going to be turned over to Negroes, and they didn't want that to happen. That was before Keogh Opera House was completed, that the symphony played there. And then the Coliseum. I don't ever remember going there to anything. It was not in use. I went there once, but that was when I was singing with a group, and there was a soprano. Vittori, I can remember that. don't remember whether it was, seemingly her name was Eva Vittori or Elva Vittori. She was a great Italian soprano. And there was some program that she was doing and we were asked 
to do some numbers. That was a big part of your life, the singing. Yes. It was. It provided a great deal of recreation because it gave me something to do and it was a contrast to to work. And it was, it, there wasn't a um, need for a whole lot of money. Because yes. that kept me busy. I had a choir rehearsal at church twice a week, Sundays and Thursdays. And that was always two hours or more. And then this um, secular group that I affiliated with, two nights a week. So I didn't have a, a lot of time on my hands. No, I, you didn't. What was the secular group? It was called the Celestial Choristers. The Celestial Chorus? Choristers. Choristers. And mm -hmm. was that, how was that formed? Um, the man who directed it and uh, who, um, I guess, organized it, mm -hmm. taught in the public school. And uh, he directed the choir at the church. What was his name? C. Spencer Tokus. And did you, you, who did you perform for? Lots of people. I mean, I think I mentioned that we performed once at Temple of Israel. Oh, it was that group. I thought mm -hmm. it was your church. No, no, group. no. Oh. Not the church group. It was. That was music in addition to the church choir. But this, I thought it was a church choir that had performed there. No, no, no. Okay. It was it's the last joke arts this. We sang for the Missouri Athletic Club and you weren't supposed to go. And they wanted us to use the freight elevator. And Mr. Tokus said, we will be glad to come, but we will not use freight elevator. And we didn't. Um, sang to different churches. They would have programs and they would invite us to participate. And there was always a little gratuity help to keep your vestments clean or pay your car fare. Uh, and was this was this a, a religious type of uh, group or was it just people who liked to sing? And people who liked to sing and we sang all kinds of music. From what to what? Yeah, back to boogie. <laughs> From back to boogie, with gospel in between. <laughs> Doing the gospel. Didn't gospel wasn't in vogue then. It was. But 
we did sing spirituals. Spiritual. Do yeah. yeah. you think the little piano recitals in Tarboro helped? <laughs> yes. Uh, and then, of course, in school, in college, and all, I was always in in a music group of some kind. Did people talk about those incidents, Catherine, when they invited you to come and sing and go up in the freight elevator? Did, did your friends that you sang with, um, was that discussed? It was just a matter of fact, it was understood you would go as a guest or you wouldn't go. Mm -hmm. There were no, no discussions about it. Mm -hmm. You were respected as any other person who would go or you just didn't go. Didn't make any, any big to-do about it. There were no placards. How, no how, placards being carried or anything like that. How, how did, uh, um, I find it, I, I don't know, how, how would he, obviously I'm a loss for words, uh, how did he, Learned that, that that was said to him over the phone. We are inviting you, but you have to go on the freight elevator. Mm -hmm. I'm. I, I'm. I you thought, you would think that um, it would be difficult for a person to say, but yes so that he would wait till you would get there and then put you, lead you to the freight elevator rather than... If but I think that's if, what if they had done that, there might have been some problems. Mm -hmm. But it was all taken care of in advance. He, he also might have not wanted that to have happened, the man who was... Invited. Yes, um, so he was preparing he perhaps indicated that with the invitation mm -hmm. that you would be expected to use it for elevating. Mm -hmm. And of course, Mr. Tokus was not of that uh, temperament. Okay. He just said, I'm sorry, we cannot accept under those circumstances. So it got to be understood. Uh, all right. Do you do you happen to remember or care to share what your salary might have been when you came in those days, in the thirties? No. I earned sixty-five dollars a month. Sixty-five dollars. For the first three months, uh -huh. and then um, 
we were taken on as per permanent employees, mm -hmm. and we were paid $120 a month. Well, that's a lot different. But both of them were good salaries, considering. You bought a dozen eggs for 25 cents. You bought three chickens for a dollar. You bought a pound loaf of bread for dime, and they had nickel loaves of bread in those days. Bacon, the best bacon was 25 cents a pound. So your money went a long way. The rent was mm, stop and think about the rent because it was I think the rent was sixty five dollars a month. It was either sixty or sixty-five dollars a month because we had we split it four ways. So I have a few uh, stories that you told me at different times, but not on the tape. Um, one was your niece. Uh, your brother's daughter. About, um, about my color. Uh -huh, about your color. Uh. I will reiterate Catherine is a lovely color of I don't know. What how how would how would it be described your color? I don't know. Well, um, I have I have heard from other people that there were different descriptions like Somebody would say I might have a ruddy complexion or something like that. So that there were different ways of describing the different colorations. Um, anyway, you are very, very light color. Um, and your aunt, your your niece said. Well, she didn't know why. <coughs> I was so much lighter than the rest of the family. Uh, my um, brother and my sisters. And I said, oh, didn't you know? Angels, I was the first child. And the angels had not decided what coloring uh, the family was to take. Since I was the first one, I was taken out before the color had gotten any browner. She didn't say anything, but my brother looked at me 
And he said, I knew you would have an answer. And I just wondered what you were going to say. hungry when I come. Um, All right, we were just saying that the, that is her, her niece was 30, Kevin's niece was 30, and, and that, that was a question of, or an answer to be given to a very young child, but she accepted it. Why do I have um, stove pipe blonde here underneath? Oh, that was another story. My mother was upset one day at somebody and <coughs> she said, I can't stand black people, they make me sick. I looked up at her and I said, Mama, how can you talk about black people when your father was a black man? Mama said, indeed he wasn't. My father was a stovepipe blonde. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't know either except it was her expression <laughs> for describing a dark person. Stovepipes, it's black, you yes. know. Yes, yes. Um, but your, well, your grandmother was also Negro. But she was very, very fair. Your, your grandmother. Mm -hmm. um, and her, her sister, my grandmother was fair, but when I knew her, her hair was white in the front and a pretty brown in the back of her neck. But my Aunt Kate's hair was almost Titian. She was real redhead. And That would have been my great aunt. <clears throat> now, since we're on the subject of, of color and coloration, um, you told me a story, and I don't believe it was on the first tape, of uh, the American Theater when you went. Oh. And you, in St. Louis and passed. I don't remember what I went to see now. I think it might have been something like Easter Parade or something. But Negroes could only sit in the very, very top row of seats. And, I'd, and it had an outside entrance or something. Anyhow, I'd, I never did go up there. And I did go to a matinee and sat in the first balcony. Because I felt that if I could afford to buy the seat, I should be able to sit where I wanted to. But nobody bothered me, but I just didn't feel comfortable doing it, so I didn't bother anymore. So you just did it that one time? Mm-hmm. You were uncomfortable because you thought somebody might recognize me. Mm -hmm. um, I wore a hat so they couldn't have um, detected the difference in my 
the hair but what, what? I didn't see it. If I wasn't wanted, I didn't see any garden. Didn't do anything? Mm-mm. But I, I wasn't didn't. worth it. I just went that time to see if I could. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose I could have gone again, but I just didn't. I can see that you might have wanted to, to try it. Just, just to prove it. Yeah. Um, to prove that you could get away with it, or mm-hmm. to prove that, that Mr. Bosley been elected when, yes, I think he had been elected when I was here before. Wasn't the, um, I think it was Tuesday, it was the day of the election, wasn't it? Yes, it was the day of the election, so he had not been elected. Okay, so St. Louis has a black mayor. Right. And what do you, how do you foresee that? I don't know. I hope that he can make a difference, but unless the purse string are opened, there won't be anything he can do. I have this good feeling. I, I think, I, I just have a good feeling that it's, it's going to be something very fine for this city. I hope so. I'm, I'm not, um, I'm not really pessimistic, but neither neither am I overly optimistic. The potential is there, but the obstacles are, are great. He help. has to have support. He has to have help from from the right, oh, right. area. From the from the money. Right. Uh, which brings me to a comment you said about the real estate exchange and their attitudes, and I thought you might want to elaborate on that. That had to do with um, a question about that I'd asked in the last interview about people feeling St. Louis was polarized uh, into two different societies, and you said that it had to do have to do something with the real estate exchange and their attitudes. And uh, um, the real estate exchange controls the living patterns 
housing patterns. They are the ones that decide where people shall or shall not live. That's what I meant by that. And those things are open now? They, they are only opened on paper. Is it, do you think the attitudes of, of people, people are I've heard some stories where people, lately, people moved into a neighborhood and the person crosses. just sells, no, in a crosses, he just sells his property and moves to a different place. That's, and, uh, that's so been it, the pattern. It, hmm? That has been the pattern. Yeah, so that's a, you know, he, Black man was able to move into the neighborhood, but um, somebody just got up and left. Catherine, I think I've asked you everything that I can think of. But one thing that you mentioned on telephone the other day, um, I don't know um, what, and that was. Um, my participation in um, the demonstrations of the 60s. I, I did ask you about civil rights. Civil, no. mm -hmm. um, and as a bystander or as a someone who was who participated or how were you aware of what was going on? My participation was um, more passive than active. Um, I did actively participate with the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, NAACP always helped with their membership drives and attended the meetings and that kind of thing. I only actively um, I picketed with a group or the opening of the theaters on Grand Avenue once. Now was this in the, you know, once? <laughs> Why, what? <laughs> it, it just happened that I was free that Sunday afternoon and they were um, picketing. And I went up and marched around, I think in front of St. Louis in the Missouri Theater. Um, do you remember the organization? 
It was part of the NAACP. Oh, it was mm -hmm. NAACP. Mm -hmm. um, what, but you didn't want to do it again? Just didn't, didn't happen to be convenient or I don't know why I did it that one time, but I never did do it anymore. Catherine, um, how did you feel when uh, the organization CORE, Congress on Racial Equality, came about? Uh, they were a much younger group. Mm -hmm. And uh, I did not um, I could not have done what they did but I didn't condemn them for it. Mm -hmm. um, Do you know why you couldn't have done that? Just too retiring. I'm not um, much of an exhibitionist. And I think it would have taken a person of an entirely different kind of personality. Because, as I say, I'm I'm a bit I don't I'm not withdrawn, but I am retiring. Mm -hmm. Well, there that's takes a certain I don't know what because I've not done it. But uh, how do you feel? I, I'm not sure that um, since I, I redid the questions, I'm not certain if I asked you this question. But I don't. I know I didn't ask it this way. Um, how how did you feel or discuss the role of the media in St. Louis in either cementing or separating um, people of different color? Uh, when I say media, if you weren't, in fact, uh, reading the paper, then it would be the radio, and now you've got the television. Um, but do you listen to the radio? Oh, yes. Uh, it's really very devastated by the death of Bob Hardy. Oh, Bob Hardy? Mm-hmm. One of the persons that I have listened to. Listened to. A lot. Yeah. Great. Great deal. I think, um, have, you, have you been listening to Camel X, uh, this um, J.C. Corcoran? I have. I listened to all of the commentary before he came, and I've listened uh, a little, but not enough to. Mm. I was not uh, drawn to his voice enough to listen to what his programs. And I have accumulated so many books, that tapes, that the afternoon I have um, 
really not listen to him enough to have any opinion about him. You certainly have a nice way of answering my questions. <laughs> <laughs> Catherine, I... How, what do you mean by that? <laughs> because you, you have a, a lovely way of, of saying <laughs> things in a very nice way, you know. I could give a little dissertation on J.C. Corcoran. I mean, Please share, because I really haven't. Oh, okay. I, well, I think he's harsh. Well, this tape isn't about me, so we'll talk about it when we get off the phone. Oh. I want to get off the phone, off the tape. Um, all right. Yes. Do you have anything else? I listened to KMOX avidly. There are a number of other stations in this community that I've never listened to. Onion Horton? No. Mm -mm. I've only. I only know he exists because I'm on my way to care of you all. <laughs> As you pass through. So you, you had to listen to him once to know? Uh, to know who he, he was. And then I've heard about him since, but I, I have um, crossed him because I, I listened to care of you all a great deal for music. And then on Sundays, um, I listened to KFU. Do you, do you want to say anything about him? About Onion Horton? Mm -hmm. mm. I, I think I regret that he um, encourages antagonism and hatred. I don't see that he, uh, his kind of um, rhetoric can do anything to improve the climate. I consider him an agitator. I appreciate your thoughtful manner in which you've answered my questions and, and uh, I, uh, I really enjoyed being with you. So Thank you. We'll just shut this off and visit. <laughs> Thank you, Catherine.